one of the things that I want to talk about in our family meeting is the uh, possibility of us investing in a uh, fixed camera or two so that we don't have to use people's phones on uh, Sunday. They'll come in and already be wired and we're ready to go. So um, I don't know. We, we have a lot of our church family that at, at this point feels comfortable being at home. And I understand that. If you have children in particular, if you're uh, elderly or you have health issues, I, I get that. Um, and um, you know what? This year I'm elderly according to the definition. I can finally get the cheap coffee. <laughs> well, the problem is the places that offer cheap coffee give you cheap coffee. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm excited about what God is, uh, is doing in our church family, and I hope you are as well. Uh, I have the podium that's the fun podium. You remember when I used this one Sunday and the whole lid came off? Anyway, uh, we're talking about spirit gifted. And some of you by this point are thinking, does this guy not have another series to teach on? Well, if you were here last week, you saw in the back of the program that I actually do, and uh, through the end of June, something else. But why am I focusing? Why do I feel compelled to focus so much on the Holy Spirit. It's important to me. I grew up in a tradition that the Holy Spirit was celebrated but compartmentalized. And it was celebrated in the sense that we were a Pentecostal church and proud of it. But the only way we compartmentalized it was could you be prayed for, be baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in unknown tongues, and then you got your Spirit-filled badge, <laughs> and then we never heard of anything spiritual that was Spirit-inspired after that. And for many, um, it would take a recreation of the environment in which that encounter happened for them to have another fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit. And if you read Acts 2, which is where I started today, that was an incredible experience. But if you go to Acts 4, it says they were all filled with the Spirit again. So it's to be something that's ongoing, and it's more than just glossolalia, which I'm going to take a whole week to focus on that uh, coming up here sometime, <laughs> sometime very soon. It's the language of heaven. Uh, but uh, the only way, let me, let me just say it this way. Why do I focus on the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus came to earth fully man. And he lived empowered by the Spirit. He lived directed by the Spirit. He lived with revelation from the Spirit. Everything he got, he got from the Spirit. Why did he do that? So that he could show us how to live so that we too could find direction every day from the Spirit. We could get revelation and understanding from the Spirit. We could have 
insight from the Spirit. We could have warning from the Spirit. He did all of that to show us you can live this life if you live your life Spirit-centered. Then he spoke to the church and placed in the church gifts that are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about that, and I think I have one more week. Yes, I do. It's not next week, it's the week after. But we're talking about spirit gifted, and we talked a couple of weeks ago, do you remember this? We talked about the created gifts, the seven gifts that according to Scripture, God distributes to every person. Now, do you get all seven? No, you might get three, you might get four, you might just focus on one. But those things, were they're all inclusive. They're, we called them the motivational gifts. Do, do any of you remember that? I know it's been a long time ago, and I'm over 65. Um, that was prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, uh, giving, leading, and mercy, showing mercy. Uh, everyone has at some level those kind of innate, inborn giftedness. Then we talked about the, the charismatic gifts or the the manifestation gifts. Charis, where we get the word charismata, charis is grace. So they're the grace gifts. In other words, how do you get them? They're given by God's grace. You didn't earn them. You didn't deserve them. They are distributed by the Holy Spirit. And they are all inclusive to believers who seek them. They're inclusive to... (laughs) Apparently this is like me. It gets tired. Um, <laughs> inclusive believers who seek them and want to be used in them. It's, the Bible says to eagerly desire the best. It's okay. It's okay for that. And two weeks ago, I talked about the discerning gifts. Those are the perceiving or knowing gifts. Do you remember that? We talked about word of knowledge, which is a supernatural transfer of information. You've ever had that happen? It's pretty remarkable when it happens. When uh, for me, when it's happened, it's like I get a snapshot. And I don't get a paragraph, I get a snapshot. It's a picture for me. Now, for you, it might be you close your eyes and you, like, you, you have a prompter. <laughs> like you're on TV and you can see all of that. Do I always function in a word of knowledge? No, but there are times. And we talked about word of wisdom, which is advice from God. Knowing what to say or knowing what to do. And we also talked about discerning of spirits. And we made a distinction, which I have to, I can't ever leave this one lying alone, about the discerning of spirits versus discernment. Discernment comes from relationship with God, closeness to the spirit, and experience. Discerning of spirits is awareness of a demonic presence. Wouldn't you want to know if there's something opposed to your marriage, your family, your children, your business. Wouldn't you want to know as you're driving down the road that you shouldn't go down here because there's something destructive? And and have you ever had one of those experiences? You slowed down, you didn't know why, and five minutes later you get there and you're 37 seconds away from an accident and you go, wow, I slowed down and I added 37 seconds to my trip. And you don't know why. Those are those kinds of things. Amen. There's the declarative gifts, which we'll, we'll talk about, and the dynamic gifts, the power gifts, that we'll also focus on. And then the third gift 
type of gifts are the calling gifts. And, and those are the, the ministry gifts, the equipping gifts, if you will. And they're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those are exclusive to those called by God to lead and equip the church. So let's quickly look at the verse that this teaching, the last two weeks ago, today and two weeks from now, is based on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 uh, through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Did you hear what he's saying here? You function in different ways, but you're doing it for the same God, motivated by the same God and serving the same God. Now to each one is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, underline that, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So today I want to talk about the declarative gifts, the declarative gifts. These are proclaiming gifts, speaking gifts, or vocal gifts. And there are these three. They're prophecy, gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy is the first one that I want to focus on. And uh, you'll see it is a message of encouragement from God. It's a message of encouragement from God delivered through a human vessel to another person <laughs> or, or persons. <laughs> Uh, do, you, do you notice that it's a message of encouragement? Amen. A message of encouragement. Many times a prophecy will be conditional. It'll be, if you do this, or if you follow me, or if you heed my words, or if you listen to my, my calling, or you follow my spirit, then, and here's the benefit of that obedience, right? That's encouraging. Prophecy does not have to be a prediction about the future. We often think, well, if a person is prophesying, it's going to be talking about the future. Not necessarily. The prophets in the Bible, if you read them, about 10% of what they shared was future foretelling. 90% would be foretelling, proclaiming, Here's where we are. Here's what you need to do. Here's how we need to respond. If we respond, this is what will happen. If we don't respond, this is what will happen. <laughs> put a new one in the budget. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's part of the... <laughs> Thank you. So we often think that a, a prophet, a person who has that calling of a prophet is one who's always going to say, you know, I look down the road and in two years I see this, in five years and ten years. And, and there is that. But do you know that prophecy is a gift that can be given to you and to me to build up, to edify, and encourage the church? Right. Amen. I function in this role sometimes. But you don't have to be in front of the, the body. You can be talking to a person. And you're speaking words of encouragement. It's a message from God. You know it's from God. You have that thing. You know, it's like your radar going up and you go, wow. You want to write it down because you knew that wasn't your idea. 
Anybody here understand what I'm saying? So there's a threefold purpose of prophecy. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's 1 Corinthians 14. Do you hear the three things there? Strengthen. Strengthen. We often, in our, if you have an older version of the Bible, King James, New King James, it might be edify. Well, we're in an edifice. It means to build. So, and to strengthen, we're, it's the, it's in the Greek, it's actually the word okoyadome, um, dome, that means active building or promoting growth. It's edifying, it's building up, it's giving strength, it's bringing new dimensions and boundaries in a person's life. The second one there is encouragement. And, and in the Greek word, it's exhortation. It, it provides comfort or refreshment. Have you ever had that happen? Where you receive something and you go, wow, wow, that, that just changed my perspective. That changed everything. For me. I feel refreshed. Right? It can also be words of consolation or solace. All of those are part of prophecy. And the third word there is comfort. Comfort them. And uh, this in the Greek is any address made to calm, to console, or to stimulate. Now, I want to note something. Prophecy is never intended to discourage, to correct, rebuke, or to judge. Now, it may rebuke and it may judge, but it's not its intent. When prophecy is given, when you're prophesying, when you have that inspired word from God, there's always that conditional, if you do this, this is going to be a great thing. Now, are there consequences? Certainly there are. Is there consequence to disobedience? Absolutely. Here's what's neat. Who has this gift? Everyone. Everyone. It's not an elite few. It says we're all to desire to prophesy. Why wouldn't you want to desire to be inspired by God to encourage others? Or if they've suffered loss, to comfort them. Or to console them. Or to challenge them for growth. Why wouldn't you want that? You'll say, well, I'm not a prophet. I'll get to that in a minute. Look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Brothers and sisters eagerly desire to prophesy. You mean it's okay for me to want to do that? Yes, it is. The next one is 
tongues. The gift of tongues. And that's a message in an unknown language. You'll notice I started the, the service today reading Acts 2, and I did that intentionally because I didn't want to read it all right here. You see, it's a message in an unknown tongue. It's a message from God to others in a language unknown to the person giving the message. If you listen to what I read this morning, it was a bunch of Galilean fishermen speaking the regional slang. And suddenly when the Holy Spirit empowers them, they're speaking 18 identifiable languages. 18. Which is why a crowd gathered. There was probably a teacher out there that was listening to somebody up there and said, he never did well in English. He never got grammar right in, in, in English. And now he's speaking Cretan. And it's word perfect. It was unknown to the speaker, but it was not unknown to the thousands that gathered. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Thank you. <laughs> Satan seems to oppose this gift more than any of the others, the gift of tongues. Why? He sows doubt, confusion, and fear. Yet the scripture clearly teaches this is a gift of God, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to do a distinction, okay? Are you ready? Today I'm talking about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is given you to edify people, to edify the body of Christ, to build up, to comfort, console the body of Christ. The grace of tongues, which I'll, I'll take a whole week to focus just on that, is a spiritual language that God gives you, that enables you to speak to him in ways that your words cannot articulate. The scripture says, with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever been in an encounter where you knew you needed to pray and you ran out of words about five English words in? And yet there was just this inner sense that I need to say something more here. You knew you were in a battle, but you didn't know what to say. Well, that's when the Holy Spirit says, I'll speak through you with unutterable sighings, groanings too deep for words. That's the grace of tongues. And that is available to every believer who seeks it. Now, of course, the challenge when you have two things is distinguishing which is which. One is for the edification of the body. One is for personal edification. Is it okay to seek something that builds you up? Absolutely. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. If you need being built up and God has, uh, you have sought him and received the grace of tongues, then use it as a language of prayer and praise. And do like Paul did. I pray in the Spirit. And then I pray in my understanding. 
Do both. Do both. The grace of tongues is the believer's prayer language, and that's how we'll refer to it. And the gift of tongues is a message from God to others in a language unknown to the person. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, The church in Corinth was filled with much confusion, confusion regarding the use of the gift of tongues in its public gatherings. They were so excited, and they were perhaps so arrogant, that they spoke to each other in tongues, neglecting other gifts, including prophecy. This practice led to confusion uh, for outsiders, unbelievers. They couldn't understand what was going on. So Paul, in this passage, establishes a principle and says, exercise gifts that build up the church. Let's read that verse. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there's a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are some sorts of language in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Doesn't that make sense? But do you understand... The Corinthian church was a very fleshly church. It was a very carnal church. They bragged about having extramarital affairs and all of that kind of They bragged about it. They, they bragged about their drunkenness. And then when they'd get together, they'd all practice spiritual gifts and no one would shut up and listen. And, and they'd stand there and, I'm going to speak in tongues. Well, I'll speak in tongues. It'd be like Greg and I are both talking and just nobody stops to listen. That's what was going on. And Paul says, wait a minute. Stop it. But that's a Holy Spirit gift. And the Holy Spirit gave it to me. You can't tell me not to use the gift. Yes, I can. Because people coming in from outside think you're nuts. And to quote my friend Robbie Booth, and you are. <laughs> do, do you hear what I'm saying? He goes on to qualify that. He said, it's okay to function in the gift of tongues as long as in the public gathering there's interpretation. There has to be that. They go together. Then prophecy and the gift of tongues are viewed as equal because both of them bring words of encouragement, consolation, and, and exhortation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Now, I grew up in the church. Maybe you did. We had the dear sister. It was always on Sunday night service. That's when the spiritual people came. 
At least that's what the pastors always said. And when a certain song would come and a certain set, do you remember Leslie's, the speakers on an organ, when the Leslie was kicked on, so the organ was doing a wah, 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 bless her little heart. That must have been when she had an encounter with the Spirit, because any time the Leslie came on, probably in a chord in the D's, the head would start to shake, the arms would start to flail, and she'd begin to speak in a heavenly language. It didn't matter what was going on. It could be in the middle of the offering. It could be, let's invite everyone forward. Do you remember in the old days when we had church membership, which, by the way, we're not going to do this in a couple of weeks, uh, we all lined up in front. We extended to them the right hand of fellowship. I'm not sure I understood that completely, but we went down and shook hands. Now with COVID, we the right duck of fellowship. Yeah, elbows. The practice of the gift of tongues is to pray for interpretation. I used to have some of my friends would come to church with me. And when they saw that display I just shared with you, they never came again. I wonder why. If you remember, several weeks ago I said when the Holy Spirit shows up, what happens? Order breaks out. Order breaks out. One of the most incredible things that I have ever seen in my life, again, you have to understand my tradition. I understand those of you watching from home, you don't have perhaps this experience or tradition, so I'll just tell you what it used to be. Well, we'd be in a service and someone feel like they have a gift of tongues and they'd stand up in the corner and you'd hear them and then we'd all sit and everybody'd ooh and on, hope that somebody, hope that somebody could tell us what that person just said. And, and we had a resident interpreter in our church in Lodi that every time a tongue was interpreted, it was always the same thing. My children, I love you. You know, he could just tell us that. He doesn't need the person in the back corner telling us. Hmm? Well, then it took, for me, my experience with our Catholic friends, you'll say, I didn't even know they were saved. I didn't either until I got involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and found out those people love Jesus. And in our little church of a couple hundred or 300, or I think the largest church my parents pastored was about 500, um, we had the lady or the gentleman in the back corner, and suddenly I'm in meetings with 50,000 people. And what do you do when you're in the third balcony at Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium and you feel that you have a gift of tongue to give to 50,000 people? Well, in my tradition, you'd get up and start shouting it with a megaphone and 22 people in your section would be blessed. Right? Well, to address that, that group put a group of people in front that all during a service would be seeking God. What do you want to say to this body? They were new to the move of the Holy Spirit. They didn't, 
They didn't know you could pop up here and say something and everybody have to stop what was going on. They, they knew that spirit was orderly. And it was so amazing because what would happen is somebody up in the third row, third balcony would write something and they'd give it to an usher and they'd bring it down. They called them the gifts committee. Fine Catholic group, got to have a committee. And, and they w- would sit there and, and in many times the message that they received from that person in the third level of the stadium, someone had received it down here because what they would tell you, if God gives you a message for this audience, pray that he'll give it to one of these that have access to the microphone. Do you think God could be limited like that? And it made so much sense because now if I was speaking, I'd say, Jill, I understand we have a message. Come up. And now guess what? All 50,000 people get to hear it. And it comes in the right order. Rather than interrupting. Let me say, I'm doing a lot of family talk here. We probably should be offline. If you believe your pastor is inspired by the Spirit, then the Spirit is interrupting the Spirit. I learned this from Pastor Jack Hayford. I was in an audience, about 300 teenagers or so, and he was in the middle of a teaching, and his pastor Jack, even then, his teaching was very deep. You had to get out like an encyclopedia and a dictionary and a thesaurus because instead of saying a lot of words, you'd say plethora. We'd all run, what is plethora? A lot of words. Oh, yes. He was my early mentor. I used a lot of big words that people would come up and say, that was really good. I don't know what you said, but it was good. And I was in this setting And in the middle of his teaching, someone right about here, a teenager, began to to give a tongue. And he went over and said, you can control that because the gifts of the prophet are subject to the prophet. You can wait. Not, Not right now. And I watched the room empty of pastors. And they all went outside on the deck where I was sitting. I can't believe... Pastor Jack quenched the spirit. How dare you quench the spirit? He finished his teaching. He walked over to her, said, do you think you can give it now? And she sat for a minute. She said, I believe I can. He handed her the mic. And guess what it was? It was the conclusion to his teaching. It was the conclusion. Guess what? The conclusion made sense at the end. It wouldn't have made sense when she tried to give it. So am I saying, don't ever practice the gift of tongues? No, it's under your control. All of these things are under your control. The Holy Spirit doesn't give you gifts. He doesn't knock you out with a spiritual sledgehammer. And when you can't help yourself, you find yourself, you know, that's not the way it is. You fully know what's going on. Did you know 
in Isaiah 28, it says, I will speak to my people through strange languages and through lips of foreigners. So let's get to the gift of interpretation, interpreting the message, understanding and expressing the thought or intent of a message in tongues. Notice I said thought or intent. First Corinthians 14, for this reason, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing with the spirit, but I'll sing with understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is, is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what you're saying? Amen means I agree with that. So be it. So be it. You just were going, blah, 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 blah. yeah, so be it. I have no clue what I just so beed. <laughs> you may be giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. This is Paul, not Mark. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, some of you may be like me. You might go, okay, I was in church. Somebody spoke in, in tongues. I had a gift of tongues, and someone else gave an interpretation. The tongue went on for 12 minutes. The interpretation was 42 seconds. In most cases, it's the other way around. The tongue was pretty short, and then someone got up and preached a four-pointer. So let's talk about the difference between interpretation and translation. Translation is the rendering of something into another language or into one's own language from another language. Literal translations are word for word. They're word for word exchanges from one language to another. That's a translation. Interpretation is a communication of a thought or idea from one language to another. So it may take a different length of time to uh, communicate a thought. Because, see, I was sitting in church watching all this, and, and I'm the kind of kid that would be, well, he was 42 seconds, the interpretation. Yeah, they got to, you know, got to change from language A to B, so I'll give them a 10-second start. It's like family feud. The second person gets five seconds more. Huh? None of you ever thought that way, but I did. And then I came to understand it was a communication of a thought or idea. And some ideas in a certain language are communicating completely different. Do you know in some cultures, where do we invite Jesus? Jesus, come into my heart. You go to some cultures, they look at you like, why would you do that? The liver is the center of our being. So in, when you're talking to that culture, you invite Jesus into your liver. So, I know this hasn't been particularly inspiring, but I hope it's been instructional. Come on, yes, and so I want to talk about principles for use of these three gifts, the declarative gifts. Here it is, real simple. Do what benefits the church. Get over yourself. 
Do what benefits the church. Yeah, but it's really cool when I feel ecstasy, ecstatic. I'm glad you do. Do you know while we were worshiping today, I was praying in the spirit. But it was just me talking to Jesus. You didn't need to know about that. It would have confused you. Greg would go, I don't know that tune. He's trying to find it on the keyboard. Bless his heart. He's making one up. No, it, it wasn't for everyone. It was, it was God and Mark. Does that make sense? Since you're so eager to have special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. For some reason, these declarative gifts, these speaking gifts, are ones that the adversary has confused the church, and it, it appeals to some people's ego. First Corinthians 14, 23. If unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you are crazy. And we are. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God truly is here among you. Now, listen, please listen to this whole phrase. Prophecy is superior because everyone can receive encouragement from the message. However, an interpreted message, according to Scripture, is placed on equal footing with prophecy. Did you hear me? Yes. You'll say, Mark, why did you make that up? I didn't. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. The word unless there in the Greek is a term of conditional. Unless, if only. So what's the principle? The principle is of proper use and orderly use. So, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And don't forget, forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. When the Holy Spirit shows up, order breaks out. We are given these gifts. These are my conclusions. We are given these gifts so we can be a blessing to others. And listen... These gifts can be resident, meaning that's an area in which you're gifted and you tend to function, or they can be circumstantial. And I'm not talking about just the three I've talked about today. I'm talking about the three that I touched on a couple weeks ago and the three that I'm going to touch on in two weeks. All of these things can be resident or they can be circumstantial. Here's the thing. They're not your gift. They're the Holy Spirit's gift. The Holy Spirit owns them. Their gifts are given by the Holy Spirit as they are needed. I'm grateful I don't get pictures about people's lives walking down the street. Whoa. Wow, that person's sad. Well, that person's in bondage. Oh, look at that one. Oh, my goodness. You'd be overwhelmed. You wouldn't want to go out of the house. Psalm 
The Holy Spirit owns them. He gives them as needed. Why do we have gifts of the Spirit? To edify, encourage, and also, importantly, to set captive people free. Thank God for the gift of his spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for being our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being resident in our lives, always available. You've heard me use this phrase, closer than our breath. Closer than our breath. That, that's pretty accessible. Would you agree? says that no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So the Spirit's been at work. You may be listening to us today here in the room or at home and you'll say, I, I, I'm not sure I understand all he's talking about. Well, the, the, the beginning step is acknowledging Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You pray that simple prayer. Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess my need of you. I submit my life to you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We know in this room that if you pray that simple prayer, you're born again. You're part of the kingdom of God. Your eternal destiny is secure. You're part of God's forever family. That happens in a moment's time. It'll change your life. But please know that when you come to know Jesus, he doesn't leave you alone. He sends a comforter, a consoler. He's the Holy Spirit. He's meant to be in you and with you to guide you into truth, to warn you when you need to be warned to direct you, to provide answers when you need answers. If you're a believer in Jesus and you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's, it's okay to seek. It's okay to ask. And you pray another simple, real, real simple prayer. Jesus, baptize me in your spirit. And he will because the spirit is received by faith. If you haven't prayed that simple prayer, if you haven't asked that simple thing of Jesus, our Savior, do that right now. And let the Spirit come and fill your heart and life and transform who you are and the way you live. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For your love, your grace, for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that works through us to encourage, exhort, and to build up your body that your kingdom may be seen on the earth. Thank you for that. Amen and amen. God bless you. Those of you watching online, thank you. you. You know, we do have doors. We'd love to have you come visit us sometime soon. God bless you. Have a great, great week.